Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth drafting the circuits? Three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Oscar Mike Radio. Come in. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Sinister One, this is Oscar Mike. I have Ulima Charlie over. Okay, folks, good evening. My name is Travis with Oscar Mike Radio, broadcasting from the City of Champions, Brockton, Massachusetts. And I'm joined today by a special guest. His name is Tim Gray with the World War II Foundation. He's a filmmaker, and I'm looking forward to some cool things from him and what he's doing. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Travis. appreciate you having me. Oh, thank you so much. So, I guess my first question, I've looked at your, your website and some of the films you've done. You know, in an age of, of, of technology where things are, you know, wow and special effects and, and things like that, what is it about World War II that resonates with people still to this day? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think when you see um, shows like Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan and, and um, Fury with, uh, you know, Brad Pitt, and there's, there's still an interest in, in that, in what happened between the years 1939 and 1945. And I think people are look back at that time period, and, and to some it's romantic because it was a time when everything was clearly defined. It was good versus evil. Um, everybody was on one side. Everybody else was on another side. America came together um, like it never had before. So, um, I, you know, and I, and I think because some of these guys are still here, that we can still interact with them, that there's the attraction, and now their sons and daughters are, are, are getting interested um, from what they watch and what they read about World War II and what their parents or what their grandparents did. So um, they're, they're, they're still walking among us, which I think is, is different than a World War I veteran or a Civil War veteran or a Revolutionary War veteran. Um, we, can, we can touch that history. So it, it's still there and people are still um, you know, really interested in reading about it and watching about it. So how did you get into filmmaking? You know, how did you get your start? Um, I was a television sportscaster, actually, for about 15 years, working around the country for different um, affiliates around the country. And um, But World War II was always something that I had been interested in since I was a little kid, since I was about six years old. So when I got out of TV sports, um, that's when I decided I wanted to start doing films and using my journalism background to write, produce and direct films. And, and that's what we did. We did our first film in 2006. 
And right now we're working on our 19th film right now. And along the way, we've had some really good people involved like Dan Aykroyd and Tom Selleck and Bill Belichick and Matthew Broderick is narrating our, our most recent film and Tim McCarver, the baseball announcer, uh, Damian Lewis. Uh, it, it, it's been, uh, you know, quite a, quite a journey. Um, we, we love what we do. Um, the fundraising part is always the, is always the tough thing to do. Like anything else in life, we're right. trying to get people interested in something that happened 75 years ago and tell them why they should be interested, which is in another 10 or 15 years, most of these guys will be gone. And with them will be all these lessons of, of, of what we went through during the war and, and lessons we can still apply today. And, uh, so it's been a, it's been a heck of a ride. I, I liked what I did in TV. Um, you know, I interviewed, uh, pretty much everyone you can think of. I covered huge events, Patriots first Super Bowl win in New Orleans, oh, wow. uh, Rams and, uh, you know, Tiger Woods and the Orlando Magic when Shaquille and, and, and Penny led them back in the mid 1990s. So I had a lot of fun doing that, but this is just a totally different thing. It's, it's something that's my passion and being able to interact with these veterans is, uh, is pretty incredible. So one one of the things about this project that struck me is is you 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 did this with a drone you filmed this with a drone. Didn't what, tell me. what what was that new to you and what were some of the challenges you you encountered while you were trying to do that with a drone? Um, the drone we've used for our last couple of films, but this is the first time we've ever done a, a film completely by drone. Right. So all of the video that we shot in Normandy, France, um, for this film. Uh, makes up all of the current the today video that we use in the film. And um, it gives a different perspective. I mean, dr drone filming is really still in its infancy, and we've done it at Pearl Harbor. We were the first to uh, to put a drone up over the USS Arizona Memorial and the USS Missouri, which is there. Um, a lot of regulations you need to go through because Pearl Harbor is still an active Navy base, so you have to deal with the Navy and the FAA. So that was great. But this was an opportunity to to show all the beaches and the battlefields and the bunkers, how they look today from right over them. And um, it just brought a whole new dynamic to the video and to the to the story. When you see it in HD, you're just like blown away when you see this type of video. And um, then we went out and found two to three veterans who fought in each specific area where we filmed. And they added what it was like for them to be there on D-Day and bring that personal perspective. So it was it was pretty amazing. But anytime you can put a drone up in the air um, over some place like Normandy or Pearl Harbor or even you know other other locations um, you know, anywhere in the world, it just brings a whole new perspective. Right, and right. that's what this film was about. And then getting Bill Belichick to narrate it brought that perspective to it. It just, um, it all came together and turned out to be a pretty good film. Well, I'll get to Mr. Belichick here in a second, but what's it like being able to talk to these veterans and how, how does your work affect them as they're going back in time and relaying these stories? Well, when you talk to these guys, a lot of times these guys haven't even told their own families about the things that they went through during World War II. So sometimes we'll be interviewing a veteran in their home and the wife will come up after or a daughter and say, he's never talked about this before. And it's, it's, it's 75 years later. And, um, so it opens up some, some, uh, some reservoirs of, of feelings and, 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 um, looking back in, in their own personal history and maybe things that they've compartmentalized over the years and hadn't thought of, we brought back to the surface. So, you know, it's an honor to sit down and talk with these guys because some of them, 
are in their mid-90s. Some of the guys we've interviewed are 105, 104, and they can't tell you what they had for lunch, but they'll tell you what foxhole they were in in the Ardennes during the Battle of the Bulge and, and what their buddy you know, St- Sam was doing in, in the adjacent foxhole while the Germans were pouring through the line. So their recollection of what they went through when they were teenagers and young men is still there. It's just a question of whether they're willing to, to share it, and a lot of times they're willing to share it with a total stranger rather than sharing it with their own family because they want to protect their family from all the horrors and things that they saw during the war. It's kind of different than it is now. A lot of my buddies who are still in, or, or get, they're all getting out now, but when they were in, would post with their pictures of their deployments, the challenges they went through, and, and, and you know aftermath of a bomb hitting. So it's a real different experience with veterans yeah. now than back then. Yeah. I mean, back, you know, today you can tweet, you can Facebook, you can, um, you can go on Instagram. I mean, you think back then, the only, if someone died in combat, a family wouldn't find out for two, three months after that had happened, or the the censorship was so great that you could not, um, you could not say, you know, what a division you were attached to and what theater you were fighting in. I mean, everything was very vague and the censors were really strict. So, um, now we know everything almost instantaneously because it's a 24-hour news cycle, so you can put CNN on or Fox News or something like that. And back then, the the, the press was working in conjunction with the government. So if the government said, um, don't say anything about this, generally the press wouldn't. So th- things have certainly changed a lot. So you've done 19 films, and yeah. I'm sure technology's changed. You're using drones now and other things. You know, what's... What's the next story you're trying to tell? And can you tell me a little bit about the World War II Foundation, you know, website and what that's all about? Um, sure. The, the foundation became became an official 501c3 in 2011. So we we do all our fundraising through the foundation. And in 2012, we also dedicated a, a rather large monument in Normandy, France, um, recognizing American leadership on D-Day. It's about 13 feet tall, uh, 13 feet tall, and um, Governor Tom Ridge was one of the keynote speakers oh, there. Wow. So, yeah, we did. We did. And General uh, McConville, who was the head of the 101st Airborne Division, came as well. And um, so we branched out a little bit and did a monument. But our but our real focus is 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 preserving the personal stories of that generation. And we do that by taking these men back to the places where they actually fought. So we don't sit in a in a studio in Boston or Providence or something and say, tell me about the war and mix in archival footage. We we go back to these locations, whether it be Guadalcanal, uh, Corregidor, the Philippines, Bataan, Normandy quite often, um, Poland, Germany, um, Luxembourg, Holland. Um, so we, 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 we're on the road a lot, but, but it, it brings in, it ties in what these locations are like today compared to what they were 75 years ago. So that, that is pretty incredible. Well, watching a couple of your film clips, it was more authentic to me than having a veteran sit there in a chair in his living room and talk yeah. about it. You could see that the veteran looking at certain places and describing pillboxes and machine gun nests. And I was drawn more into the story. It felt more like a story than a documentary or a, or, yeah. or a static static thing. Out of curiosity, what's it like working with the French to film over there? They're they're great. Really? Yeah, in Normandy especially, um, we've 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 always had a great relationship with them. Um, the French who live especially in Normandy. I mean, in Paris, it's a different deal. In Paris, um, you know, it's a big city, and and they do appreciate what the veterans did. But when you go and film in a place like Normandy where the actual landings took place, 
Um, and especially when the veterans go back and visit Normandy, it's like you're traveling with the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. I mean, it's just they'll they'll never pay for a meal. Uh, people come out of their homes and kiss them and thank them. And, um, you know, it's just it's incredible to watch. We've never had a problem filming in, in Europe. Um, and we've we've taken Holocaust survivor back to Auschwitz and, and retraced his steps um, during the war. And, and we've never had an issue with anybody because all these people over there, I think they like to preserve their their freedom. Um, a little different in the Pacific, a um, little, little more wild in the Pacific, um, a little more jungle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, guys running around with machetes and you don't know who the, who the headhunters still are sometimes <laughs> when you're on some remote island off of the coast of the Solomons. Um, but you know, history is there. History is even more preserved in the Pacific because nobody removed any of the stuff. I mean, you know, from being a Marine, I mean, the, the Marines in the, in the Pacific, especially the first Marine division have this great history of Guadalcanal and, yep, yep. and, um, and Peleliu and, 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 um, Cape Gloucester and a lot of, but in the Pacific, all the relics are still there because nobody's removed them. I mean, Europe was cleaned up after the war, but in the Pacific, you'll walk into the jungle and there's an Amtrak or there's a tank or there's a crashed plane or they're, they're uh, still there. Or, oh yeah. There's stuff everywhere. There, there are you know, people are still dying from unexploded shells over there in the jungle. Um, when the Americans moved through and the allies moved through in Europe afterwards, things were cleaned up. But when they moved through an Island in the Pacific, Things were left there or dumped in a lagoon. There are jeeps that are dumped in lagoons and deuce and a halfs, and you know there's just stuff everywhere. And you got to be careful about where you step. But um, but it's amazing to see a, a family who who has a a small thatched hut on Guadalcanal, and in their front yard are twelve Amtraks from World War II with trees growing up through the middle of the Amtraks and chickens running around and stuff. And it's just like. You know, it's there. It's still preserved. And uh, you know, so it's it's we, we try and tell a story from the perspective that we try to tell a story. Um, we don't try to just mix in archival footage and 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 and, and we, we try and tell a personal story from a veteran or a bunch of veterans who were in a specific area. And that's that's always our goal. That's the main difference I got watching film clips. You know, I it just didn't feel like a History Channel presentation. It. It was as close to being there as I possibly could. So yeah, I, I thought I think, it was, yeah. I think when you watch, to me, the, the measuring stick is still the old World at War television series. And what, I grew up with that as a kid. And watching that, it wasn't computer-generated graphics. It wasn't computer-generated tank battles or, or dogfights in the air. It was archival video footage, and it was interviews. And it was done in the 70s, so a lot of these people were still alive. A lot of the Germans were still alive. A lot of the American uh, generals were still alive. And to me, that's always the benchmark. And it's kind of what Ken Burns does. When you watch a Ken Burns documentary, there's not computer graphics. It's more about the, the storytelling and more about the visuals of, of being in a place. And he does that so well, and I think the World at War did that so well. And all of our films air on PBS, and it's just kind of a fit more so than it is, I think, for some other channels who tell you, well, you, there's not enough adrenaline in your show. I mean, you're not looking for Sasquatch. You're not an, you're not an ice road trucker. You're not, you know, you're not a reality TV show. And I said, well, if you want a reality TV show, this is about as real as it gets. Guys telling you about what it was like to be in combat in World War II. And um, well, so 
one of the things I'm finding is my kids are playing these, uh, like the Battlefield 1, the Call of Duty games, and yep. there's a real desire. And all my children watch Fury. Mm, and that yeah. led to some real conversations about what their their grandfathers served on the USS Massachusetts. Yep. Their, their great-grandfathers uh, were both Navy guys, served on <laughs> ships. And so it was allowed for a, a time to talk about what life was like back then and the sacrifices they made. And so I'm, I'm really excited to show them this movie. Uh, I'm going to get a copy from you and, and show it to them because they want to know. I was surprised. I didn't think kids would really want to do that. But because they play the video games, they want to know. And the yeah. fact that you shot this in drone footage, my son has a drone. He can't wait to see it. So it's really exciting. Yeah, they're like that. I mean, kids, you, you try and teach how kids learn, and kids are very visual. And um, some kids only learn their first uh, inkling about Omaha Beach is through Call of Duty. So kids don't even know that there was a real Omaha Beach until you tell them. They think it's just a video game, and then they want to know a little bit more. So when you watch Saving Private Ryan or you watch The Pacific or Band of Brothers or whatever it is, um, it, it gets the conversation moving. And they'll, they, they generally, that gets it to the point where they'll come to you and say, you know, what did your dad do or what did grandpa do in the war or something like that? So it's good. I mean, not all stories are factual and, and everything else, and, um, but it gets the conversation moving. So the bigger kids, like my, my, my 30 and 45-year-old kid buddies, want to know how in the world did you get Bill Belichick, who is about as monotone as it gets, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they want to know. How did you get yeah. him to do this one? And two, did, yeah. he, did he emote at all? Is there any yeah. emotion? You know, Bill's Bill. And, and <laughs> um, he's, he's been a supporter of the work we've done since 2006. We, we started sending him, our, I sent him our first film in 06 and he, he, he critiqued it and wrote me a nice note. And um, so it's become a tradition that we send Bill one of our films when we finish it before it goes on PBS for him to watch. And he's attended one of our events. He's hosted some of our veterans at Gillette Stadium, he and Bob Kraft. And I always tell people there, there are two Bill Belichicks. I mean, there's the one who has to stand up in front of the podium to answer the questions from the media. And having been on the media side, I totally get why he, you know, he gives them nothing because I know what they're after and he gives them nothing. But then there's the other Bill Belichick who's best friends with John Bon Jovi and he's he's funny and yeah Bill's Bill's read during this film was how you think you know he didn't read it like he was Morgan Freeman he read it like he was Bill Belichick and that's what we wanted and um his dad served in World War II he served in the Navy in both Europe and the Pacific so he uh, and Bill grew up in Annapolis at the uh, Naval Academy his dad was a coach there for 50 years so he he gets what we're trying to do and he couldn't have been more gracious and he's he's just been he's been tremendous well I, I can't wait to hear it so how would I get a copy of the of the, of the video and, and how would people support uh, World War II Foundation if they want to we just the, the cop. We just got the DVDs in, so they won't be ready for another couple of weeks um, by the time everything's said and done. But if they want to go to our website, uh, which wiifoundation.org, um, they can see the work that we've done and um, keep an eye out. We'll, we'll have the videos for sale up there probably within the next week, week and a half. Um, and the trailer to the film is on the website, yeah. and you can also watch our our movies on demand. You can buy or rent our. Uh, we're kind of a small Netflix. You can buy or rent our films. Um, right on our, off of our website. And I think the Belichick film is up there now. Um, so, but 
until you've seen it in like HD, right. uh, like in a, in a Blu-ray. Um, it's it's just to see Normandy that way is just amazing. Oh, so you're gonna have Blu-rays too? I got Blu-rays too. Yeah, um, it's it's night and day compared to watching it in Blu-ray and standard def. I mean, I just when I saw it in Blu-ray, I'm like, I have to order a bunch of Blu-rays because people have to see this in HD. Oh, I, I can't I can't wait to get one. Yeah, absolutely. One. I'll, I'll take care of you. Um, and you have an event this weekend, I understand, correct? We're having the official kind of world premiere of the film um, at the Veterans Memorial Auditorium in Providence. And Bill can't make it. Got a lot going on. But Rob Ninkovich is going to be there um, representing Bill. And Rob um, is going to be the host of the event. And uh, so it'll be great to have him there. And we're expecting a crowd of about 800. And uh, people can still get tickets to the event if they go to the um, vetsri.com, which is the veterans website. And um, it's free for all veterans. All veterans don't have to pay a dime. You've done enough for us. And then it's $15 for the general public with the proceeds going to the foundation. Well, I certainly wouldn't mind chipping in 15 bucks to see this. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, it's, it's people like yourself who tell that story and keep that memory alive, and especially because you realize, like you said, in 10 or 15 years, these, these guys will pretty much be gone. And once we can't, hear their perspective it's it's going to be permanent yeah they're dying at they're dying at the rate of 500 a day yeah. and um there were 16.1 million americans who served in world war ii and there are only about 800,000 left and once that generation's gone i mean it's just a part of history that um we can still learn so much from how a country came together for a single cause i mean men women and children and i think people look back at america during that time and say can america ever do that again and i think there's always that when you look at the current generation of military, if they were ever put in the position that the guys and men and women of World War II were, they would respond the same way. And I mean, you, when you meet current generation of military, they're just reincarnation of the World War II guys. I mean, they're just so disciplined. They're, they're so courageous. Uh, they're humble. Um, so there will unfortunately from, from, there will never be a war fought that way again. And that, that's, that's just the difference in society oh, and technology and everything else. Absolutely. My kids were asking about it. I'm like, they would never, ever send craft like that without, you know, air support, naval support that would never happen again. So it is different. But, you know, to your point, I think in America in general, in, in certain small ways, like the flight in Louisiana last year, that state mm -hmm. came together. 9-11 people came together. I think mm -hmm. we have the capability to do that. It's just we have certain forces dividing us. And, but mm -hmm. I think at the core, we're still a country that will come together. Regardless absolutely. Of going, yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. Uh, I look at some of these, I call them kids now because they're not much <laughs> older than, than my children. And I, I see promise. They're dedicated. Yeah, they're amazing. Male they're amazing. Female. Yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're, they're the next greatest generation and uh, they'll never be called on to to uh, fight in that manner. Um, things have obviously, you know, like I said, have changed. But but, um, you know, I would take this generation and, and put them back 75 years and they would have responded the same way that generation did. So, well, Mr. Gray, Tim, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to have links to not only the event on the Oscar Mike podcast, but also the uh, World War II Foundation.org website where you can go check it out, check out the, the, the DVDs or Blu-rays. Oh, I'm getting the Blu-ray. And because <laughs> and, and, oh, I want to watch with my kids and, 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 and see what it's like. And uh, just thank you for your time, sir. We're looking forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for your service as well. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. All right. Take care.
Dr. Mike Radio, over and out. Oscar Mike Radio, do you copy? Since the one actual, I have you five by five. Oscar Mike Radio is in route. Copy that, Sinister One. Coming at you from the city of champions, Brockton, Massachusetts. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Oscar Mike Radio, veteran in action, on the move, on mission, always. Protectors of our nation.